A living map of Ireland's choral scene highlighting groups near you has been the long-term project of Dr Hilary Moss and Sing Ireland. Moss is a senior lecturer in music therapy at the World Academy of Music and Dance at UL, where she's been looking at, among other things, the effects of music and singing on health and wellness. Now more than 120 choirs are on the map, providing another step in making space for singing in the medicine cabinet, as Hilary Moss told Culture Files, Anya Gallagher. I'd been running a group for a few years in the acute psychiatry ward where I called it a singing group and people just came and sang on a Monday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning and I saw huge benefits from singing for your health and well-being and I was becoming increasingly convinced about the benefits of that and I also helped to set up a workplace choir at the hospital and again saw a lot of the social benefits of people singing like you know you had doctors standing next to porters and cleaners next to nurses everybody joining in, having fun, getting to know each other and achieving a lot through singing. I'm Dr Hilary Moss. I work at the University of Limerick in the Irish World Academy of Music and Dance. I teach and lead the MA in music therapy and I do research around singing health and well-being. I was very interested in singing and health and we began researching in UL and we have a singing and social inclusion research cluster with my colleague Professor Helen Phelan uh, co-running that and we there are lots of us at the Academy of Music that are interested in singing for health and well-being. So I started working with Liz Halitzer, a PhD student, and she was looking at singing on social prescription, which is a particular a kind of a movement that's increasing within the medical and health world where people, if you go to your GP, maybe you have chronic pain or you have a long-term health condition, the GP may refer you for exercise or for something like singing or another activity as well as giving you medication or giving you physiotherapy referrals, that kind of thing. So we were very interested about singing as a social prescription. So all in all, we began to realise that there was very little information about what choirs existed in the country, what Singing for Health programmes existed. So we started this piece of research and spent a year to find out where all the singing groups and choirs were that had any kind of direct remit for singing and health, which shows you, you can click on it in your county and it shows you what singing groups are available in that county, who they're for, how you audition or whether you don't have to audition, if they're for particular client groups such as a choir for people with cancer or a choir for people living with mental health issues or whether it's for everyone in the community. You find when you're talking about singing for health, there are kind of two camps. There's a camp who think the singing is brilliant, really good for you, who kind of get it, who know that it lifts your endorphins, it, you know, it, it bonds people socially. If you look at babies and their parents, you know, the first interaction is often that sing-song voice that you talk to a baby with. They're listening to pitch from the earliest ages. You also know, you can see and hear that people with dementia in the very late stages can still sing songs when they can't talk anymore. So we kind of have people who know about that, who say, yeah, we definitely want this for our nursing home or we definitely want this for our um, mothers and babies who are at risk. You know, we, we know this works. And then you have the group 
who want the evidence of benefit, which is really reasonable. I mean, if I wouldn't take medication without knowing it had been tested and trialled. So in the same way, people want to know, well, what is this singing? Is it worth spending money on? Is it worth investing in? And there is quite a lot of international evidence now on singing and health. Particularly, there's a movement now called Sing Strong, led by a music therapist called Feeney Cave. And this is all about singing for conditions like COPD and other respiratory illnesses. And of course, now looking at long COVID and whether it can help with long COVID. There's quite a lot of evidence around the social connecting that happens in singing. So we know that lots of different social activities help bring people together who might find it quite difficult to come to social situations, people with mental health issues or people with chronic anxiety. We know that lots of different activities work, but what we know about singing is that it seems to break down the barriers between people quicker than other activities. So it's not necessarily better, but it can have a quite a quick effect. So there was a really interesting study by Daisy Fancourt and her team She's one of the lead researchers, and that was for postnatally depressed mothers and their babies. And they found significant benefits from coming to the singing group on their general levels of depression. And it wasn't that they wouldn't have recovered anyway with other treatments, but it was quite quick. That's what they kind of concluded. And are we any closer, do you think, to seeing this kind of activity prescribed by a medical professional, by a GP, let's say? Of course, they can unofficially prescribe it at the moment, but are we any closer to seeing something like this on an official prescription? It's an interesting one. We have a growing number of music therapists working in health settings, being employed alongside occupational therapists, physiotherapists, for example, National Rehabilitation Hospital, um, Highfield Healthcare in Dublin, the Children's Hospital Ireland have music therapists. So, you know, there are more and more kind of recognised positions for people who do this kind of work. That said, I think we are, the, the music and health field is reflective of the arts in society. You know, it's poorly funded relative to other things. We've seen that during COVID. Uh, we see that in healthcare too. It's seen as a nice extra, something sort of... Um, somebody could just do for free you know why should we pay a professional it's it's you know we're trying to constantly remind people of the value of music in the first place and then music in health settings so i would say it's a mixed picture in that there is quite a lot of recognition from clinicians as to the benefit and there are people employing music therapists in you know setting up choirs for their clients but there's a bigger picture in terms of being on policy you know, becoming a standard treatment, I suppose. In one way also, is it a kind of strange time to have this project launching in terms of it might be one of the only times we've heard of us singing being a dangerous activity? Absolutely. It's interesting, I believe the most recent research is that singing isn't a dangerous activity. They found now, after all this, you know, when all, when all still not allowed to sing very much, but apparently it's not, it's not much worse. But I wouldn't quote me, I'm not the scientist on that, so actually probably I'm being a bit dangerous here saying that. It is a difficult time. It's a difficult time for musicians, for music therapists. People have had their jobs slashed, you know, in music therapy and in kind of singing for health circles, community singing you know, it's been decimated to a large extent. So maybe it's also a kind of clarion call and we took this at the launch with Sing Island. You know, it's a call to say we can sing, it is important. You know, it should be back on the agenda as soon as possible.
UL's Dr Hilary Moss there who urges choirs and directors to contact Sing Ireland to add their information to the map. Check out our Twitter at Culture File Pod for a link.